Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Greetings, Grapple fans. Welcome to episode 77 of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the AI podcast channel. Uh, I'm joined by two guests tonight to uh, to look back on what was a huge weekend uh, in the world of WWE. Of course, we had uh, the NXT War Games uh, as well as Survivor Series, so a uh, lot to get through. First off, uh, he's back. Yes, it's uh, Mr. Capo Khan, <laughs> a.k.a. <laughs> Mochatra. How are you doing, Mo? Oh, very well. The Chris Jericho of Pro Wrestling Index returns from his cruise. Uh, <laughs> you found those YouTube videos of me as Capo Khan. Oh, we did. FWA. Yeah, I'll never <laughs> live those down. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not after sharing them. That's it now. Yeah, it's not how not to be a wrestling manager. If anyone wants to have a tutorial video, check out my videos. Uh, yes. A long time ago, I hastened to that. Yes, if you want to see where Paul Heyman got his ideas from, go, <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> oh, I tease, I tease. Uh, and uh, not just more, of course, uh, Guy Drinkles here as well, straight out of the Guy Ruler position and into the commentary booth. How are you doing, Guy? I'm great, I'm great. This is the first time I've ever spoke to more on a podcast about wrestling. It's weird. It's weird. That's right, yeah. Goodness. That's, it's, um... it's almost like an NXT call-up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Xavier Woods yeah. and Kofi Kingston. They've never tagged together in a, in a two-man <laughs> Does that make me Big E? Yeah, you can be Big E. <laughs> I like it. I like Shiver it. those hits. all right anyway let's get into it so nxt war games um i mean we we, when we done the preview as you said you know on paper some of the card wasn't necessarily enticing some storylines haven't been captivating but we were looking forward to elements of it and particularly obviously the um the whole spectacle of war games and, and intrigued by how the concept will be played out after you know it's been nigh on 20 years since uh, since we've seen a war games so 
I mean, on the holy event, uh, it's gone down pretty well, more hasn't it? And 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 I got to say, I, when I sat down and watched it Sunday morning, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, the show is something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Is one that didn't look amazing on paper, but we thought it would deliver. And come the event, it really did. I thought all of the matches were good, or really, really good, and uh, the uh, show did a really good job of elevating uh, um, a couple of individuals one in particular in the velveteen dream who um, almost came out as a star of the show such was the strength of his performance against um, alistair black in um, arguably the match of the night it's really a toss-up between that and the war games and um, that that was really really cool to see because um, you know the nxt sorry the the performance center um, which is obviously uh, what NXT is based around is something that has been criticised in certain quarters as something that hasn't really been turning out homegrown stars. Um, it's, NXT has really been somewhere where indie talents that have been around for a number of years have come in and um, gone on to uh, but then the main roster. But um, we are now seeing people that are um, the products of the Performance Centre um, coming through NXT and even into the main roster and Velveteen Dream is certainly somebody who's um, come through that system. And, you know, even though he had prior experience, it was very limited before becoming part of developmental. And uh, he looks like a future superstar. He yeah, really I'd, does. He does. I'd, what I particularly liked was the psychology in the match. It was fantastic. Great to see, you know, the, the faces on the tights a la Rick Rude, you know, as he did with Jake Roberts and Ultimate Warrior back in the day. But, it, the psychology was great, and and I think this is kind of maybe the evidence of where these you know these hardened veterans that have come off the indie circuit and now working with these guys who are coming through the performance center and they're getting the the benefit of their experience and their different styles. Uh, and I think, yeah, some of that is now coming out. And and yeah, Velveteen Dream for me, a star was born on on, on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and the great thing about him is he's only 22 years old, you know, just a young pup um, by the um, standards of the WWE, especially if you go by the standards of the main event from the next night on the Survivor Series where people uh, double his age, um, who looked well, triple his age. So, yeah, it, it was really good to see and uh, really looking forward to seeing more of him in NXT. And it's inevitable that... Uh, at some point in the next uh, 12 months, he'll end up on the main roster. For somebody who's only three years into his career, to be that good, um, you know, it shows you've got some real natural talent there. So uh, very, very exciting to see more of this guy. Yeah. And Guy, what, what about yourself? Did you, Was that the match that, that stood out for you from the entire event? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of speaks volumes as this was my first um, war games like uh, match. So for basically not a rookie, but someone who's inexperienced on a on a main card, assuming that all sounds like he is unexperienced on a main card. And um, Alistair Black, who is a bit more experienced, but has not really been in the main event picture on NXT for them to steal a show on what is the first war games in is it thirty odd years that's the first match of? It it, it speaks oh, twenty vol- years of yeah. 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 twenty, yeah. Yeah, speak well it speaks it speaks volumes of what a match that was and I think what settles what's the difference between, for me is is that 
in a 1v1 match you can do so much more storytelling. And this isn't a feud um, that's kind of, like, it's not a personal feud. It's just came about randomly about someone wanting to say someone else's name. And it's been a thing of beauty. I mean, this is this is the sort of thing that you don't see on Raw and SmackDown. You don't see... A story, you don't see a like an actual story that is um, shown in such a perfect way. I mean, you had Alistair Black who played his role perfectly. Velveteen Dream, twenty-two year old. I mean, I don't know how you can be that good at something at twenty-two. It's absolutely insane. Um, but just moving on to the war game match for me, that that was like, I I, I don't know if this this um. Uh, I don't know if this comparison is a bit blasphemous, but for me, it 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 reminded me of early. Obviously, this is my first war game. It, it reminded me of early elimination chamber match where it is absolute carnage, like it and it and the st- and the match keeps developing as other people join. So that that's what I'd compare that to for someone who hasn't seen the old style ones. And it it was brilliant. It was absolute carnage, and uh, I think the right I think the right people won it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's a good point as well. Yeah, it it was it was spectacular, uh, fun to watch, and everything else. But beyond all of that, storyline wise, it made absolute sense in in terms of the outcome and more. Do you, as someone who's watched previous war games, did this one live up to uh, expectations for yourself? Then, well, it had very very high expectations to live up to. I mean, this is a legendary match. Is the war games? Um, that was uh, something that was invented by uh, Dusty Rhodes, I think, back in around eighty six, eighty seven, and used on the Great American Bash tour, and uh, carried on as a regular feature until the early nineties. After which it was then sporadically used, normally about once a year, um, up until around ninety seven, ninety eight. So, um, and nearly every match I saw with the war games. Uh, was excellent uh, amongst match of the year contenders normally. So this was not a match of the year contender, but it was still an excellent match. As I said earlier, arguably match of the night had so many great moments. Um, you know, the uh, superplex spot from the top of the cage uh, was just amazing. And, uh, you know, it was high intensity. And what was good was that it went so long, you know, it went nearly 37 minutes and yet, um, it didn't feel like it was dragging, um, like it felt boring at any stage. Um, so it was well put together, well assembled, and um, did a really good job of putting, um, you know, Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Bobby Fish and Adam Cole um, over as that kind of um, act. The uh, what do they call themselves now? The uh, undisputed, undisputed era. era. Undisputed era. There you go. Um, so you know, and it also helped, I suppose, that. Kevin Owens was there at ringside wearing a T-shirt. Um, so that, that was good to see because these are talented guys. Um, I mean, they, they still lack a bit of character. They seem a bit vanilla. So um, I think they certainly, Fish and O'Reilly, need to work on that side of their game. Cole certainly got more charisma. Um, got a little bit of Shawn Michaels about him, uh, at least facially in terms of resemblance. Um, but, uh, you know, these are clearly three people uh, on the roster that, the company has uh, big plans for going into 2018. So it was good to see them put over strong in this match. And uh, again, like with Velveteen Dream, um, you know, elevated um, st- uh, individuals that will be focal points for NXT 
um, over the next 12 months. And um, come back to you then, Guy, the, the, just finally on the on the uh, the NXT TakeOver, then the, the two, I'd say, title changes. I mean, obviously one was the, the women's title was was vacant, but uh, Ember Moon crowned uh, as women's champion and the title change on the main one with uh, Andrade Almas uh, beating uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, thought, thoughts briefly on them two matches? Um, I thought the... Uh the NXT Championship match was actually quite good. I mean, it started off a bit slow, but I think it really grew into it, um, which is um, quite an achievement, seeing as Drew did his bicep, was it? I think he did. Um, But uh, in terms of the outcome, um, I think, obviously, the big surprise was Almas winning. um, But I think that's kind of just to... Um, allow, or it was a lot to allow that um, feud to breathe a bit because I think you brought it up in the preview that it was <clears throat> Drew McIntyre's title reign hasn't really been that great. I mean, I think most of us rate McIntyre as a talent and and as a performer, um, but it's just it's not really been that well booked. Um, but if they're trying to build Almas into the next Mexican superstar to, add, to either replace Rey Mysterio or uh, Del Rio. Um, isn't that hard on the latter? Um, if they're trying to build him up, I mean, he has he has seemingly performed recently. I mean, I think he had a couple of good matches with Johnny Gargano. He had a decent match against McIntyre, as I said. I think they're doing well building him up, and it hopefully drew back sooner than later and build this feud up because I think mean, I think it was weird because I think the undisputed era were originally in the title picture and then they kind of moved over to a feud with Roderick Strong. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from that. And on the women's one, I think Ember Moon was the safe choice I'm not if it's the right one time will tell um, I probably wanted Nikki Cross to win but maybe they just didn't want all the titles on Sanity um, but I think Ember, Ember Moon's a good choice she she can she clearly has a talent as shown in the Oscar feud yeah that that's that is that's certainly true and she was I, th- I think a, a natural time had come and it was yeah perhaps um, perhaps risky not not to take this opportunity to put it on a, you know, to, yeah, yeah. you worry that he kind of, you've, you've got to a, you, to a tipping point and you don't want to tilt too far down the other way. So, so more do you, do you feel that the time was right for the, for the title to be put on Ember Moon? Uh, and, and thoughts on the title change for, uh, for Almas? Yeah, I mean, with, with, with um, Ember Moon winning the title, I mean, that's something I've got no problem with. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, she had you know, some very good outings with um, Asuka earlier this year and uh, really came across well, especially at the takeover event in uh, uh, the night before WrestleMania back in April. And, um, you know, she made it look really, really close to her, you know, walking away with that title and finally ending the title reign for Asuka. So her winning the title in front of her home, uh, hometown audience uh, was a good moment and a bit of a surprise because, as we've talked about in the past, WWE rarely uh, puts uh, talents over when they're in front of their hometown crowd. So um, that was still nonetheless very good to see. Um, and as for um, Almas, you know, he's somebody who has a lot of natural talent um, but hasn't quite shown it in NXT uh, up until more recently where you know he's, he's been putting together a more consistent run. Previously, he'd have... Um, you know, on and off kind of performances, some pretty good outings, some good matches, and then some others where 
Um, he looked very, very ordinary. So uh, the fact that they've put the title on him at last, a um, bit of a surprise. I thought McIntyre would hold it the title for a bit longer. It might suggest that they've got plans to move McIntyre up to the main roster sooner or later. We could see him um, up on the main roster as early as uh, January around Free Rumble time. Band, baby. <laughs> 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 it might just be that the you know that the injury was something that they actually he carried into the match and um, it, it just kind of a position that was forced upon them. That I mean, that is that a possibility? Well, judging by its reaction towards the end of the match, it seemed like it was something that occurred during the match, right? Mm. Uh, but, I mean, it, it might have been that he carried a strain um, going into the match and it was further aggravated um, and it was a full-blown bicep tear. I, I don't think that's been confirmed as yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, the reaction towards the end of the match, he, he looked very, very frustrated, if not angry, about... Um, the fact that he he'd hurt himself, so uh, it seemed like that had happened during the match. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was slightly a surprise. But I mean, again, with Almas, he's a very good talent, and let's see where they go with the title. So um, yeah, it, it's um, a, a memorable it's, event. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's another good takeover show, and uh, we'll obviously have another one um, ahead of the Royal Rumble. At that weekend, and uh, you know, the, the, these people, you know, they set a standard now. We've been seeing really, really good takeover events for the last several years, and um, all the talent know that this is their chance to shine to really show what they are capable of, and um, you know, invariably they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that that takes us nicely on then to the uh, the main show of the weekend, the Survivor Series Sunday night. Um, again, I mean, this is one that we were looking forward to for you know variety of reasons. Such a stacked card uh, as we spoke about last week in the preview. You know, there just so much there. You know, so many potential great matchups. And and guy, I, I'll come to you first on this because we, we spoke about the two tag team matchups uh, as the the matches that potentially really could steal the show. Um, of the, of them of the two, I mean, do you feel that they did that, and w- was the one of the two that you think did, you know, w- was better than the other? Um, I think the main event stole the show for the wrong reason, if you get me. Um, but yeah, these two were definitely the best um, wrestling matches of the night, hundred um, percent. Um, I thought both could have been better, but that that's to do with obviously storytelling and feud, which obviously you need you need a different pay per view than Survivor Series for. But both of them were really good. Um, I thought the Usos versus the Bar was better. I, I think it was structured better, and I prefer, I liked the finish a bit more. Um, whereas I think the ending to the Shield New Day match was a bit messy, if I remember correctly, where it was a, yeah, a bit that's... random. What you've mentioned there is that they could be better, and I think that's a fair point because I think this is where you do notice that you know that these guys have not been working with each other, mm-hmm. you know, like at house shows week in week or almost night in night out, you know, and polishing polishing their matches up. This is you know coming together, having been away from each other, and I think that showed a little bit, but on the whole, yeah. It, just really, really impressive for 
matches. And and again, as you mentioned in there, you know the the Uso one, Usos again. The, the, you know they've really elevated their uh, the their in ring craft, haven't they? they? They don't they don't do bad matches, do they? I mean, even do the bar. I mean, we said it on the preview. These are the two probably most informed tag teams of the last year, six months, whatever. Um, it's it if they end up on the same show at some point, that is a feud I'd love to see and um, get the same treatment that um, New Day versus the Usos got because it it could top it could top anything because that's they're the two best tag teams in the company for me at the moment, and I think the only people who could probably top them is the Revival when they actually like. Are alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stop getting injured. Yeah, Stop pretty much. Getting pretty, injured. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. But yeah, it, they, them two were the best matches of the night. Um, it was just, it was a bit weird. The New Day one was a bit weird because of that. I can't remember the ending, but didn't they like do like four finishes in like three seconds after having like a massive build up to something? <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah, it was a little, yeah, it was a, it was a bit more cartoony. I mean, more. Yeah. Uh, would you go along with Guy in terms of the, the you know the two um, tag team matches? Would would you pick the 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 Bar and Usos ahead of Shield um, New Day? Um, well, I thought the Shield uh, against the New Day uh, actually was a really good ma- match, a uh, very very good opener. Um, no, went quite long actually, went over twenty minutes, which. Um, it's quite rare for an opening match. Obviously, it was the opening match of the main card. We had three matches on the uh, pre-show, um, but you know, for a opening match on the main show, um, quite a lengthy match. But in the end, turned out really good. Very um, strong finish to it. So uh, it was something I was very impressed with. The other match, the Usos against uh, Cesar, uh, sorry Cesaro and Sheamus, um, was also very very good. Um, I thought it was just slightly um, below the level of uh, the opening match between the New Day and um, the Shield, but uh, no, I thought both matches were very, very good, and uh, you know it was something that I was certainly looking forward to. I thought Usos and um, Bar would be a really, really top match, um, and probably be better because both teams have been, you know, as guys saying, on fire um, this year, so. Um, it was it was still very very good though, and um, uh, they were two of just uh, several really good matches on the card. So um, you know, that that was very pleasing to see. Yeah, I mean, that that's um, there, there was. Uh, this is a good thing that, that there was a lot of a lot of good action throughout the cards. And we said, you know, it's a stacked card, and 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 sometimes as we found with WWE events on the main roster this year, it's been slightly bizarre where that where the the build-up has not been good, and we're thinking we, you know, we're not particularly looking forward to the event, and not all that enthused. They've actually turned out to be really good shows, and we're the ones what we've kind of been looking forward to, and they've been built up really well. They've kind of flattered us even and disappointed us. And but I think this one, obviously, was really, really built up heavily, but certainly I would say delivered. I mean, what about the the women's? Um, the, the women's championship fight off then between Charlotte and uh, Alexa Bliss. I personally more, I, I think this was again, evidence of, of how far Alexa Bliss has come because I thought this was a, a really good match. To be honest, I didn't. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Not I mean, a classic, but I, I, you know, 
but a good yeah, match. Yeah, it, it was certainly certainly not a, a bad match or a poor match. Um, I thought he was perfectly solid, but uh, it wasn't quite the level of some of the matches that we've seen Charlotte produce against uh, Sasha Banks in particular on the main roster. Um, you know, she's she's had a bit of a lackluster year by her high standards as Charlotte, so. Um, I thought, well, okay, this is a really good chance for her to go out and show that, you know, she can uh, work a really excellent match um, with somebody other than, you know, the usual suspects. And Sasha Banks is the opponent that she has normally had the best matches with on the main roster. Um, And they were given enough time. It's not as if they were only given seven, eight minutes to go out there and rush through through a match. Um, I'd close to 16 minutes but uh, it really didn't quite hit the heights that we've seen um, some of the better Charlotte matches hit so um, from that perspective I was disappointed but that was more because I went into it with very very high expectations run um, going into it just um, letting them do what they can do and seeing what what comes out of it Um, so I I thought yeah it was it was fine but it didn't quite um, hit the spots for me. Uh, and Guy, have I been a bit too generous here then? Uh, I, th- I, I thought it was it was quite a good match. I, I just, I, I guess, I guess I I didn't go in with like particularly high expectations as as such, because I, I'm certainly not expecting any kind of classics from Alexa Bliss. But I just thought she held herself, um, she held her own in there against against Charlotte. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. Um... Good. I mean, if we're going to do star ratings, probably three and a half, probably maybe on the generous side of that, but I thought it was good. Um, I think on the preview we talked about um, Alexa being the pretender of the throne, or, or at least story-wise, line, not um, performance-wise, and I think that kind of showed in the match. I think, obviously, Alexa um, set the tempo of the match and all that. I think that was to try and make her look strong, and I think that's the... the I know she lost and all that, and she was in, well, looked like tears at the end, but I think that's what it did. I think it made... Uh, it um, legitimised Alexa Bliss. Obviously, she's been on Raw and worked with um, Sasha, Bailey, etc., but obviously Charlotte is the main deal. Well, uh, as Moore said, she's had a, a bit of a... a <sighs> underwhelming run on SmackDown. But I think I think this match did its job. It made Alexa Bliss look like a, a proper ch- um, champion, a proper talent. Um, and maybe maybe next year, a bit more development in the ring. She she'll be she'll be one of these she'll be winning one of these big feuds on Survivor Series if if she's still in the title picture. But yeah, I think this it did it did its job and it was entertaining. I, I don't you can't really ask for much more. I mean, if um, if we wanted um, WrestleMania level match, I mean, you'd be you'd probably be having Becky Lynch in the SmackDown spot, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I, I think sorry, that's, sorry. that's a fair point. Raw, in, I, uh, Raw. I, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Charlotte was on SmackDown. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you'd put someone else in the. Raw I know, spot, I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. So I mean, we say Becky Lynch. I mean, it's a nice little segue for us then. So what of the? The traditional Survivor Series matches or for the women's side. Um, I've got I've got to say the first thing that struck me was what was the point in having an unnamed member only for it to, <laughs> to be Natalia? What what on earth was the point in that? Um, I don't know. Maybe Paige got lost in traffic or something. <laughs> 
Um, it, I was, just, it was really, I, I really stupid, wasn't it? It was really yeah. stupid. I mean, even... It, it's the fact that it's Natalia as well. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> if it, it, to be harsh, nobody gives a toss to the... Um, yeah, it was yeah. such a... I, I don't know if they had something else planned or something and it backfired, but it was such a stupid idea if it was Natalia from the start. But um, yeah, uh, it, it was just a really weird thing. And the match itself yeah. wasn't great. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, what I was going to say, an underworld, underwhelming moment followed by what was um, a fairly underwhelming match. I mean, we said, you know, there was a lot of good action on this card. This wasn't really one of it. It was, I mean, traditional Survivor Series matches, they're, they're not sort of necessarily um, in line with having, you know, a great match because there's so many people involved in the in and outs and all the rest of it. But this wasn't particularly great and more, I mean, can you make sense of, of uh, why you would have, you know, announced your, your, your fifth member, keeping it a secret, only for it to be Natalia? I just, I can't quite get my head around that one. Uh, and, and and other than this match being really to elevate, uh, well, elevate, I kind of, not elevate is, is not the right word. I say probably further cement the, the status of um, of Asker on the on the raw side of things, it, it just did really didn't do anything for me. Yeah, no, it was um, a very up and down match. Um, it did have lows, especially when uh, Naomi and Alicia Fox were together. Um, they uh, were never mind not on the same page. They were not even on the same planet. Um, completely. Uh, Blowing spot after spot, uh, very very awkward exchanges between the two. Match almost broke down when they were together. Um, so so that was very very sloppy. It's very rare to see that in WWE matches these days. Um, but that was um, you know, very very poor. Um, and yeah, it, it was a match which again um, 
did have individuals in it that could have put together a really good match, but there was also a lot of, lot of dead wood as well. Um, just say, like Alicia Fox, um, you know, she she she's good at pulling off certain moves, um, but isn't a good worker. Uh, Naomi's up and down. Tamina, I have no idea <laughs> at all why on earth she's in this company. Um, you know, there's hundreds of women out there that are significantly she can, she can better do a super kick. Well, almost. Yep. <laughs> almost. She, um, to be in all in all honesty, though, in all seriousness, she must. I'm guessing she carries a, a pretty bad knee injury or something because she struggles to get around the ring. Yeah, yeah. I, I just she's not over. Nobody cares when she comes out. No. Um, she's got no charisma. She can't work. Um, there's there's just nothing about her. I mean, even for the. Um, Fans that um, you know just want to treat the female workers as eye candy in that kind of kind of outdated um, view of what women wrestlers are. Um, you know, she perhaps doesn't even tick that box. I really don't know uh, exactly what it is that she's on the roster for, other than the it's fact that put Lana with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're trying to get some comedy mileage out of it, but that's failing as well. So. Yeah, but then obviously we've got new girls that have come in um, this week on SmackDown, which we'll talk about in a bit. But that all just adds to the argument for just removing her and, um, you know, giving that precious TV time to people that are far more deserving of it. But, uh, yeah, it, it was just um, underwhelming, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, another underwhelming match, I've got to say, was the um, the US champ v. Intercontinental champ uh, Baron Corbin against Miz. Um, I, I <laughs> a match that I wasn't looking forward to. Um, Baron Corbin matches I just straight out don't look forward to anyway. It was it. I guess it was just it happened. It was what it was. It, I don't think <laughs> is there any other way of putting that. It lived up to its billing as being my piss break. <laughs> and that it was <laughs> well nine well, minutes if that's your piss break I've got to know what you're drinking I I think I went a bit longer just to avoid that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean with this one then Baron Corbin obviously is somebody that was Mr Money in the Bank um, cashed in and obviously uh, didn't come out winning the title Mr Overdrawn Mr Overdrawn not not so much money in the bank. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it was um, clearly a sign that um, he'd fallen out of favour at that point with the company. But this, if anything, was a suggestion that he's back in the good books because um, he got a clean win over the Miz. So, um, and obviously the Miz has been in very fine form this year. So the fact that Corbyn was put over the Miz, who's been model pro um, for many years and, as I say, has been very, very fine form throughout 2017. That was somewhat of a surprise, um, but that perhaps suggests that they've got some, well, they've resurrected their big plans for Corbyn, let's just put it that way. So uh, that was good for Corbyn, less so for the Miz, who again, uh, jobbed the very next night on Raw. So, uh, yeah, cut a good promo on Raw, but uh, jobbing in these matches perhaps show that the company doesn't have immediate plans to um, elevate him much beyond the level he's already at. No, I'd, I'll be honest. And I've never been a great fan of the Miz. 
I, I don't think his his in in ring work is is fantastic at, at, at all. I think he's 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 a good worker. Um, but I think what he does is is very reliable in terms of his. He knows he's, he's got his character off now. He delivers good promos. He consistently think, delivers I, good promos. I do think his match with Roman Reigns, to be fair, was probably his best since his Dolph Ziggler feud. His uh, much loved Dolph Ziggler feud. Um, mm. Just to just to be fair to him, but yeah, the uh, sorry to jump in, but yeah, the the Corbin match was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think what he is is a very reliable. It's yeah. almost it's the Ric Flair of the of the mid card, you know, the guy mm. who can talk and the, you know in that can traditional carry the title deal, as well. Can't yeah, you? exactly. Yeah, you know, he'll carry the title, put people over. You know, people want to see him get beat. Very reliable in that sense. So, yeah, I, I guess it 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 made in in the, in the grand scheme of things for the event. I guess it made sense. Um, it was the one match he was the favoured one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Another title, you know, the other title match on there, uh, WWE title versus Universal title. Now, obviously, when it was Jinder uh, and Brock, we weren't particularly looking forward to that. But but we spoke last last week, guy, and we, you know, we were intrigued to see how this would be handled. You know, we obviously mm-hmm. worried, you know, you, that we didn't want it to be a, a squash match, and it certainly, it, although it started off as though it. Potentially could be. I liked in the grand, you know, in the bigger picture as it as it became. I like how they did that to start with because it for the storyline of the actual match itself that kind of made sense and and it just developed and developed and developed and and in the end I thought it was a fantastic match. I I just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the story that um, both AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar told in this match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about the two tag team matches um, being the best on the night. I mean, um, this was right up there with them, um, unexpectedly. I mean, we know AJ Styles is the best worker in the company, um, and, and Brock Lesnar is is very talented when he wants to be. Fortunately, this was one of the nights where he wanted to be. He wanted to work, um, and yeah, uh, at the start, I was worried it was going to be a squash match, and it must have been a good three or four minutes where it was like, oh God, this is going to end in a second. Um, but no, it, as you said, the, the uh, storytelling and the development of the uh, quality throughout throughout the match, I, I'm not sure how long it went for, but it, 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 seemed, it seemed well-paced. It seemed pretty much perfect. I think we all knew Brock Lesnar was winning, but it, it did wonders for AJ Styles to be legitimised against the unstoppable force. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that again on a bigger stage. Yeah, that that that's a and that itself is a great point. I mean, more is this a match you'd like to see again? Because I, I'm with Guy. I'd love to see this again. I mean, for me, this was 15 minutes of well developed storytelling. You know, the the that old sort of classic David versus Goliath, and you know, we had Brock Lesnar selling out. You know, out of the ring, going up the ramp after the match. You know, what more do you need? Absolutely, and you know there are people out there that um, talk about Brock Lesnar not being a good worker and uh, say that oh, he, all he does is suplexes. And people who say that really don't understand how wrestling works. Um, you know, he's he's such a smart worker because um, you know he's he's now somebody who's got an aura. And you know, when when you have an aura and when you've got this presence, 
and you're seen as a really um, legitimate main event headline act and also somebody that fans generally perceive as being a genuine tough guy um, to go out there and bump for every opponent would help to very, very quickly dilute that kind of aura and that star presence. So people like that, people like Brock Lesnar have to protect that and be very careful and selective about who they show vulnerability to. And that's why when he does show that vulnerability, when he does sell, it means something. So when he did that with Goldberg, when he did it at points this year with Braun Strowman, um, it really got a reaction and it got people really interested in um, his matches with those individuals because um, it was something different to what we normally see from him. And it was a sign of massive respect from Brock that he was willing to sell to a guy that's um, a good six, seven inches shorter than him and about a hundred pounds lighter. And this is something that we've talked about before that Brock um, perhaps is reluctant to sell to people that are much smaller than him. He thinks it doesn't look realistic. Well, the fact he was selling like crazy to uh, um, uh, for AJ Styles' offense was, uh, you know, a, a really big sign of respect that you know we think this guy is a real deal, and um, it also uh, perhaps played into it that both are former IWGP champions in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, so, you know, it was it was good to see, and it made it all the more better because it had it been a typical Brock match where. He comes in for five minutes, run roughshod, 10 suplexes, and um, the match finishes. Um, it would have not really done either one any favours, but by working it in this very clever way, um, it made AJ Styles come across like a, um, a bigger star than he already is. Um, and it also made people a bit more excited to see Brock again because um, you know we, we've, we've seen matches from him where you know, we, we've had exciting matches, even the ones with Goldberg, but um, you know, this was a more conventional type of match with old school psychology, as you say, big man versus little man. And um, he showed a different side to what we normally see from him, and it worked perfectly. Yeah, and Paul Heyman went out of his way to to really uh, pay respects to, to AJ Styles. Um, for me, that I, I know Paul Heyman's there to sell matches, certainly to sell tickets beforehand, but you know, going out of his way afterwards, you know, describing him as as the best the best worker in the world, you know, for me it speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, we, we certainly would have done that for uh, Jinder Mahal had that original <laughs> match. <went> <laughs> well, um, how much influence do you think Heyman has over Lesnar in terms of working with his opponent? I mean, we obviously saw his match with Samoa Joe a couple of months ago. I mean, that was a lot shorter, but I mean that. Probably is a time that is a time slot that probably would have been a squash match normally. But do you think Heyman could has had words with Lesnar saying work with him a bit more? Do you think that is something? I'm not sure how much in ITK stuff you get more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that um, well, certainly Brock um, respects the hell out of Heyman. I mean, even when he was away from the WWE, they were taught regularly, and um, you know, in real life, um, he does get advised by Paul Heyman. Um, and so when Paul Heyman says to Brock, look, you know, this guy is, is a heck of a talent, um, then it, it will resonate with Brock. And I mean, it's not as if they went into this match and they talked about, well, yeah, AJ Styles is a good way. Mm. I mean, 
Brock Lesnar knows who AJ Styles is. He's seen his work. Uh, as I say, both have been former IWGP champions in New Japan. Um, and that earned some respect with Brock um, straight away. And, um, you know, I, I think there's certainly some influence from Heyman for sure. But um, I, I think Brock Lesnar is also somebody that, um, you know, he's, he's smart to the business and sees that AJ Styles isn't just your average run-of-the-mill type of workers he's, he's a very special talent yeah absolutely and um you know he's, he's got something about him and he's a genuine top top worker and uh you know this match was a, a very very smartly worked match and showed as i say um due respect from brock to um aj and as you say it'd be really good to see that match again and uh be very interesting to see how they work it again um, it'd be nice to see him do something different as well, um, just to make things interesting um, and keep us guessing about what the outcome might be. Well, we have the little line from there. If he could work with um, Finn as well. Sorry to jump yeah. around you. That's all right. I, I was just going to say, um, you know, we had that little line from, from AJ Styles on SmackDown, you know, that people said about, you know, Rocky, well, you know, Rocky 2, Rocky 1. So I th- I think there's a little hint there that um, we we may get something again in the future and that would be good. Uh, just on that more than from from what Guy mentioned, that I'd be uh, keen to get your thoughts on that as well. Actually, Finn Balor and and, and Brock Lesnar, do you think that can happen? Well, it could happen, um, but uh, as we've seen from the way that Balor's been booked in recent months. Um, it has not been very good booking at all. In fact, you could argue that the way that he's been booked couldn't have been any worse. Um, he was booked in that horrendous feud with Bray Wyatt that just never ended. Um, and it made him look like a very uninspiring kind of mid-card act rather than like a headline act. like a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one way of putting it. And... Uh, you know, um, furthermore, he was exposed in terms of his weaknesses by having to go out there and cut these very fake, contrived, long promos that didn't suit him. He's not a good promo anyway, um, but if he's given the right kind of promo, which is short and, snark, um, short and sharp and snappy, um, he can still come across as a competent promo, um, but, you know, he wasn't allowed to do that. And, and um, you know, that kind of special... Uh, or about him when he first debuted on the main roster and he won the Universal Championship um, is largely gone, unfortunately. So I think it will take some time to build that back up. Um, and he'd be a great opponent. I think he could have a really good match, work with Brock Lesnar in much the same way as AJ did the other night. Um, but as I say, he seems to be an act that... Uh, Vince and others perhaps are not so keen on it at this point in time. Um, so it might be that he has to wait um, wait his turn to try and get back into the good books and get um, elevated further up. And, I mean, he's not the only one. I mean, you look at people like Seth Rollins. You know, he was the focal point of Raw for quite a long time. Um, and now he's just uh, uh, part of a reformed um, three-person unit. And um, he's just another guy. And he was I a focal heel, point. I miss before. heel Rollins. He was so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, I mean, might well return. 
Yeah. But uh, you know, if, if anyone is is deserving of uh, you know a few with Brock, who perhaps is a fresh uh, opponent from the usual two or three, um, I'd actually argue for Seth. Obviously, he's got a break up with uh, the Shield first of all. Oh, sorry, split up with them again uh, before he can uh, have a meaningful program with Brock. Yeah, we'll, 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 uh, that will come. I'm sure that will come uh, at some point, uh, and hopefully they'll do it ready for a, a WrestleMania match as well. So we'll get to that. Um, that just leaves us with the the last match on the card, uh, and I've left it to the end, not because it was the best or anything like that, because um, I say actually far from it. It was a match that for me was a real border frustration. Because this this was kind of you know, really kind of griped me actually. We had Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode getting eliminated in the you know the first two guys out, uh, and we end up with all these old all these old people, the old part timers and whatnot. Uh, towards the end, uh, Randy Orton in right near the end, and I just think for me, what the hell was the point? of Randy Orton being in there towards the end, surely you would flip that spot around, uh, you know, give it to Nakamura, keep Nakamura in there longer, let him get the rub of beating some of those guys and then being the one that's distracted and beaten by Braun Strowman in a way that doesn't hurt him at all. I just, I I don't know more. I I mean, (sighs) Maybe it's you know the 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 hardcore you know internet wrestling fan of me or whatever the hell it is, but this this match the way it was booked it just frustrated the hell out of me. It really did. Yeah, the booking was very bizarre. I don't know um, how they could have sat in a room planning this match out and thinking right this ending that would be fantastic. It will really get the crowd going. It did the complete opposite. The fans couldn't have been less impressed by what they saw. Um, very flat finish. Bit of a surprise, obviously. Kind of a double swerve, like one minute it looks like he's signing with Shane, and then he obviously turns on him, pedigrees him, and wins the match for himself um, after costing um, Kurt Angle a pinfall victory over Shane. Uh, oh, sorry, submission victory. Um so, yeah, it, it all seemed a bit bizarre. Maybe on paper it seemed like a good idea, but in practice it just didn't work at all. Um, but it was somewhat of a redemption at the end with uh, Strowman then um, kind of, uh, putting his hands on Triple H and uh, taking care of him. But, um, yeah, it, it was just a match that didn't work. Um, and it could have. It could have. It, it had enough individuals there uh, that if it was booked in the right kind of way, um, they could have done something really quite smart, even though most of the people in the match were or are on the older side and uh, not much in the way of fresh young talent. And uh, it nonetheless is, is something that was a bit of a missed opportunity, in my view. Yeah, and and Guy, maybe you can help me out. What the hell was the point of John Cena in this match? Um. That's a good question. <laughs> um, Honestly, I just... I, he didn't even come out in a blue shirt. <laughs> well, yeah, well, if you mix blue and red together, you get, get green, don't you? Oh, dear me. 
Have I cracked it? It's like your seven artless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, really, I mean, apart from having his name on the card and all the rest of it, what the hell was the point of him being there? He, he, it just did nothing. He didn't. It wasn't for him to give the rub to someone or anything. It just did nothing. I can't even remember. Who was he eliminated by? Angle. I can't even remember. Um, it was utterly pointless. And you could probably say the same about Randy Orton. At least Triple H and Angle had some kind of story involvement. Um, um, yeah, he was absolutely pointless being there. And I don't, I don't know how much difference he'd make um, in terms of selling tickets or selling pay-per-views or subscriptions, whatever the hell it's judged on nowadays. Um, but if it's, it's a match that's got Shane McMahon, Triple H and Kurt Angle, um, if you need John Cena, I know John Cena's this generation's um, bloke, but it's got it's got two legends and the most popular part-timer ever. It, it, surely you don't need Cena for that. Um, no. But, for, yeah. for, for a stadium of 14,000 people, mm. you know... It just, I, I just, I don't know. It, it bemused me. Yeah. And and another thing on this as well is, you know, we we spoke about last week, didn't we? Is the opportunity is there for Sami Zayn and for Kevin Owens to come in and cost SmackDown the match, and and that would be, you know, they don't have to be on the card in in the event. They just come out, cost them the match, and that is, you know, bigger than any match they could be on in it, really. So they come out, uh, they distract them a bit, but then they get bolted to chairs. So their their involvement in the match was pretty much meaningless as well. It was horrendous, wasn't it? Um, and then then on SmackDown, they're trying to build it as that Randy Orton's furious that he cost them the match. I mean, Randy Orton wasn't even... Dist- I don't know if he sold it wrong or whatever, but Randy Orton wasn't even distracted by them. He just got smashed by Braun Strowman. <laughs> it was... Um... It was just stupid. It, it it really it made Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn look weak. It made Shane McMahon look stupid. It meant, well, Randy Orton was just as pointless as Cena, wasn't he? Apart from that, he's there full time. Um, it it was just a really messy match. Um, but the worst thing about that match for me is that it started off really well. You had Nakamura in the ring with Triple H, and it was getting a reaction. You had Bobby Roode in the ring with Triple H, it was getting a reaction, and then three minutes later, they're out the match. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that that's and that's the thing that really bugs the life out of me. You know, a chance to elevate new mm. names, and and instead, you know, we had Nakamura, Rude, and Samoa Joe, the first three gone, uh, and then Finn Balor was gone after Cena. So we ended up with Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, Triple H, and of course Braun Strowman. You know, the one good thing from this is it really solidified Braun Strowman. Did he need solidifying? I know well, he, that, he may, is, may have suffered yeah. about. He may have suffered a little bit after Brock, but did he? <laughs> it's, it's. Did you really need to do a whole Survivor Series match to try and get Braun over, even though he's probably one of the most over people on Raw? Yeah, it doesn't. That's make, it. I it think. Make sense. I see this as a. I mean, I see this as a missed opportunity to to really push Nakamura further and maybe get you know help push Rude a bit more. And 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 I think it was it was a, in that sense it was really was a missed opportunity here and 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 more come back to you. for me I, I just can't get away from it. It, it I thought it was just 
dreadful booking. It was really, really poor, short-sighted booking. And and like you said, the only positive I can get from this match really is Braun Strowman. Yeah, I mean, clearly the intention of the match was to uh, over Braun Strowman even more um, than he was coming into the match. And the focal point was squarely on Strowman. And that's fine. But then, you know, they should still be able to, within the confines of a 30-plus minute match, um, do stuff to get some of the others over, you know, perhaps use it to uh, give Finn Balor some much-needed momentum. Um, But they didn't um, take that opportunity and uh, he was just there to make up the numbers, essentially. And, uh, you know, that's why, um, you know, it was just... Very odd. Uh, it was quite bizarre. It almost felt like um, they came up with a bunch of ideas and creative for, for that match because of the different number of people involved, and they c- couldn't come to an agreement. Um, and they ended up with some very last-minute hodgepodge, um, garbled um, compromise with Vince making the ultimate call. And um, then they came out to execute what was agreed. And uh, what they executed was just um, very confusing and uh, not very coherent. And so it it was disappointing because it ended the Survivor Series on a flat note when the card up until that point had overall um, been um, very, very strong. And uh, the weekend as a whole had been very strong. Uh, So that, that was... A disappointing end to uh, an otherwise pretty, pretty decent show. It only, yeah. it only makes sense if um, Braun and Triple H have a match, though, surely, doesn't it? I mean, it was a good moment for Braun, but for one 30 WrestleMania? Of... <sighs> Can you really build <laughs> Triple H as a threat to Braun Strowman? Well, well the, the if, could. If, it, like, if it's up to Triple H, you will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Get that you know, he'll, he'll go into, you know, 2000 Triple H Cerebral Assassin mode and, um, you know, he'll try and make it seem like, you know, he's elevating Braun, but, um, you know, Triple H oh, went into that match looking quite old. <laughs> he, yeah, he did. I mean, he, he might still have a good physique and everything, but facially he looked, I mean, um, my younger son watched the match and um, he said he's, he's, he's Triple H 60 years old. <laughs> he's, 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 I mean, he's not quite that old, um, but he, he looks very, very old now facially. Um, and uh, he, you can certainly argue he, doesn't, he really shouldn't be um, carrying on for much longer in the ring, even though as, as a worker, I mean, he's, he certainly doesn't look like a completely washed up goon. No, uh, he should only work, should only work with smaller guys. Sorry, yeah, I think Andy. he's 48 or 49. Um, he's not even 50. So, um, you know, he can still go for a number more years if he wants to as a part-timer working a couple of matches a year. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's got other roles to fulfill within the company. And, um, you know, this is the time really that the company should be focused on elevating the younger talent. And even the younger talent are not that young. I mean, people like Nakamura and Bobby Roode they're in their late 30s. You know, Samoa mm-hmm. Joe, all these guys, they're coming towards 40 years of age. 
Now, they're becoming middle-aged men. You know, the talents that are there ready to be put over is the superstars, the main event acts of tomorrow. And um, they should instead be having all of these people established by now as um, faces of Raw and SmackDown and then bringing through um, younger talents in their 20s and early 30s um, to become the uh, top stars of the next several years. So... Um, you know, and the irony of it is, is that when they were in the Monday Night Wars with WCW, they regularly criticised WCW for being um, where the old boys play. And yet, you know, here we are, twenty years later, and that's exactly what uh, WWE has become. Yeah, yeah. Somebody could make them all. Do you remember the Hulk Hogan and Nacho, the Huckster and the Nacho Man advert mm. spoof adverts? Yeah, they, they could be making them. Hogan and Roddy Piper had a match, a cage match at Halloween Havoc, 96 or 7, which I think Shawn Michaels referred to as age in the cage. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> these things come back to haunt you, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, WWE is kind of uh, um, being exactly the thing that it once criticised many years ago. And that's uh, a place where the old boys play. Well, I mean, we're talking talking of of progressing then and moving up. I mean, you alluded it to early, earlier on then. So we 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 did get some call ups immediately following uh, Survivor Series from NXT, all on the women's side of things. Um, an old guy will be happy. Monday night saw the return of Paige, uh, and she brought with you with her Sonya Deville uh, and Mandy Rose. Uh, you were pleased with that one guy? Hell yes. <laughs> um, not just because it's Paige especially because it's Paige <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was a bit random but I think it really worked I mean we were talking in the WhatsApp group that we weren't really expecting um, Paige to get that good reaction um, it, it really did work I mean I'm not going to lie I didn't, know, I didn't know too much about the other two um, but it really did work and it kind of it, it should help a stagnated women's division that's on both shows um so I, it, the long awaited return for me um and it it's added a new dynamic that I didn't really see coming uh, and more on on smackdown we then got to ruby riot with uh, Liv morgan and um, someone else whose name escapes me, I'm afraid, because I can only recall her seeing, seeing her once before. But, you know, and again, three new names on the roster, a bit of reinvigoration. But what disappointed me somewhat, it was pretty much the same storyline. Yeah, so obviously they um, attacked um, Alexa Bliss and um, I think it was Becky Lynch backstage and... Uh, yeah, essentially the same storyline. Um, and maybe there's something wider at play whereby um, you know, they're a faction of six who split into two um, trying to achieve the same thing on both brands. Um, so may- maybe it was by design that that's how it all played out. But uh, if it wasn't that, then it was just lazy um, storyline uh, booking because uh, you know, they could have... I mean, it shouldn't have been that difficult to come up with um, something slightly different to introduce Ruby Wright and Co. than copying the exact same um, angle from the night before. 
with um, Page and Co. And Page, I think, is now single guy. So uh, they're backing with a chance. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I've just got to just got to be Mexican and be a bit of an arsehole now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's um, good though. You're quite right, Andy. Um, you know we've criticised the women's divisions, certainly the SmackDown one, for lacking um, you know freshness and vibrancy. And I think it will certainly have some of that with. Ruby Wright in particular coming onto the SmackDown roster and um, Paige, uh, we'll have to see how she goes. I thought in the final few months before she disappeared uh, while she was on Raw, um, she wasn't really impressing me all that much. I thought she uh, was going through the motions. So I'm hoping that the time away um, and with all the other trials and tribulations she's gone through, she's regained her hunger for the business and uh, for wrestling and you know, we'll see in the coming weeks and months um, you know, just how much of it she's gotten back. And, you know, if she's at the top of the game, um, she'll certainly be a valuable addition to uh, what's starting to become uh, some of a stacked women's division on, on Raw. Yeah. Well, guys, I mean, we, we've gone through the lot. There's, we've covered quite a lot there. Certainly, uh, it was a big... Uh, a big weekend of action, you know, so many matches, uh, two big events. On the whole, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle from you guys? Big thumbs up from me. Yeah, I've got to go thumbs up. Um, and the only other thing that we haven't mentioned is um, that uh, Roman Reigns achieved the Grand Slam of uh, titles with winning the IC Championship, um, beating the Miz um, on the... Uh, in the main event of Raw, and um, you know he actually um, got a pretty decent reaction as well. Um, certainly better than he's had for much of 2017. So uh, maybe reforming the Shield with uh, Ambrose and Rollins has certainly helped him to uh, get uh, back into the good books of um, certain sections of the crowd. Uh, well, the he's WWE win the Universal title, hasn't he, for a proper one? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, well, I've got to say, I, I thought he he looked genuinely delighted to win that title. Mm. You know, like he 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 looked there was genuine sort of warmth there. And uh, dare I dare I suggest that the reason that the Shield have actually been reformed is just purely to try and get him over with the crowd. Well, you'd have to find so, it. <laughs> cynical me, cynical me. Anyway, that wraps up uh, this uh, edition of the Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Uh, my thanks to uh, to Mochatra and to Guy Drinkle for helping to guide us through uh, all the action at Survivor Series and, of course, at War Games too. So, uh, and our thanks to all of you, the listeners, the lovely listeners, for tuning each uh, tuning in and hitting that download button each and every week. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can at PW underscore index on Twitter. But until next time, from me, Andy Wales, it's bye-bye now.
up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.